Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Join me in Season 1 as we cover topics such as gaslighting, red flags, denial, self-love, addiction, mental illness, and so much more. How do these traits play a role in relationships? How do we avoid them? How do we face them? How do we make better choices to be better humans and better partners in our relationships? On to the show. Hello, everyone. Anonymous Andrew with you here again. Today, we have a special episode. We have a special guest with us. We have Heather Baker. Heather Baker is a certified self-love and healing coach who helps women heal from past traumas and step into their most fierce selves. After spending 10 years in an abusive marriage and with a narcissist, she divorced him only to discover that the trauma that was left behind, anxiety, codependency, a lack of self-love, self-worth, and self-confidence, self-confidence that left her accepting love that she didn't think she deserved. And uh, when I read this, um, I, I said, this is exactly who I'd like to speak to because that's exactly where I am and what I went through. So um, Heather, good morning. Would you like to say hello? Good morning. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Um, I'm, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, again, I you know, as we discussed, just a few minutes ago, I, I thought I was the only one that, that went through this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that's a silly statement. That, yeah. that's well, that's crazy. the thing. When we're going through it, we do think we're the only ones, you know, and that's that's the hard part. About yeah. It. And that nobody, uh, you know, I did tell people in my life about the relationship while it was going on. And, I, and some people rolled their eyes. Some people gave me good support and feedback and said, you know, I don't understand why you're staying. Why don't you leave? And but, um, you know, my answer would be, but you don't understand how much I love her, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, in the in the moment. So it, it, it's different. Why don't so I tell us about your journey. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess starting with the marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually going to go back just a little bit before that, because it does matter in the grand scheme of things. So when I was 19, I found out that I was pregnant. Um, And I was in college at the time, I wasn't dating my daughter's father anymore. Um, You know, so being so young, I kind of threw me for a tailspin there, you know, like, like my whole life was changing. Um, you know, a lot of people in my family told me that this was going to ruin my life, you know, that I wasn't going to go down the right path and all these sorts of things. So I was already believing that I needed a man to make me happy. I needed a man to complete my life, to be there for me, you know, like that. I, I didn't feel as though I was able to do that for myself. So I wanted that knight in shining armor to just kind of ride up, you know, take me and just take care of me. So when my daughter was about four months old, I met my ex-husband um, and he did just that. He was a knight in shining armor, you know, as most narcissists are in the beginning, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they shower you with love and it seems like a fairy tale. 
And it did. And after two months of being together, he proposed to me Wow. and I accepted. Um, he was in the military at the time and, um, you know, he was going on different to different things. He didn't have any long deployments at that time. Um, <clears throat> he was gone, you know, maybe two or three months here or there, but he wanted to be engaged before he went on his next deployment. And I was like, you know, that makes sense. It made total sense to me. You know, at this time I had turned 20 in that time. So my 20 year old brain was like, yeah, that's awesome. So we did have a long engagement. We were engaged for about two years. Um, and during that time, there were definite red flags. Um, and looking back on it, you know, I realized how deep I was in it and how much I really shouldn't have gone down that path. You know, how much we weren't right for each other. There were so many signs in the beginning that I just completely ignored. Um, and it kind of goes with, you know, this is a quote that me and my friends actually tell each other a lot. It, well, not to me so much recently, because I found myself in a healthy relationship. But I always tell my close friends, you know, the things that you ignore in the beginning are the reasons why you leave in the end. Exactly. And it's completely freaking true. Yeah. Um, you know, we would argue constantly. And it wasn't just like, arguing normal arguing, because a healthy relationship has arguing, you know, that's okay. But when it crosses that line of disrespectful, where, you know, you're being called names and, um, you know, they're saying disrespectful things or it turns physical where you're being pushed or shoved or grabbed or whatever the case may be, those are all red flags. And to me, it was passion. In my mind, I was like, well, this is passionate. You know, he just really loves me. He he wants to be with me. You know, he's fighting for this just as much as I'm fighting for this right now. What I didn't see was that it was control, that it was gaslighting, that it was lying, um, that it was manipulation, that it was all the things that just kind of keep me stuck under his thumb. Um, so it was just a continuation of things. I could go on for days and days of stories of things that this man did. Um, but, you know, we, we ended up, we got married. Um, he was then deployed for about a year. He was in Afghanistan and I decided at that time to go back to school, uh, to be a paralegal and things were good. I, I when he was not here, mm -hmm. I, I was very happy, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm going back to school. I'm doing stuff for me, you know, you know, and I mistaken, I, I mistook his absence as the reason um, for all the other things that I have, was then going for in my life, you know, taking more time for myself, going back to school, spending more time with the, my daughter. Those were making me happy. Those are the things that I needed in my life. And when he came back, everything started all over again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first it was, we were kind of in that honeymoon phase again at first because, um, you know, he was gone for so long. You know, so he was all sweet and all that. He wanted, you know, all the sexual stuff when he got back. So, of course, he was being super sweet and nice to me. Um, and I guess it was maybe three or four months after he got back that things just started getting really, really bad again. Um, and I do acknowledge that he had PTSD when he got back. So there were certain things that were going on that were worse that um, that we were going through due to his PTSD. 
Um, you know, I begged him to get help, to go to the VA, to talk to somebody. He didn't want anything to do with it. You know, he was too proud. Uh, there was nothing wrong with him. He couldn't admit it. Um, and things just spiraled out of control. Um, you know, again, we were fighting constantly. Um, there were times where we got, we got kicked out of a bar one time because I lost my wallet and he started screaming at me in the bar and like threw me in the bar and the guy, like the pe people in the bar are like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, you got to get the hell out of here. Like, you, like, why are you putting your hands on this girl? And because I was so in love with him, you know, I chased him out of the bar and it turned into like this whole fight. You know, he ended up pushing me in the street. I had like this cut all down my arm from it. Um, you know, like he had slammed me into a wall that night and it was, it just spiraled out of control. And again, at this point, we were still only maybe four years into the marriage, you know, like, and I stayed for 10 years. I stayed for 10 years. And it was just stories like that, that just kept happening over and over again. Um, and I know you, you want to get into the why, so I won't get into that too much right now. Um, you know, we'll get into that in a few minutes, but, um, I'll kind of skip to the end. So once we, once things started getting out of control and I finally got to a point where I was like, this can't be how things are. Like this can't be normal. Like this just can't be how my life is supposed to be. So I, at that point, I guess I just kind of opened my mind a little bit more and because he was just so controlling, so controlling with everything in my life, you know, who I saw, when I saw them, who I talked to, um, you know, if he didn't have full access to my phone at all times, it was a huge freaking problem. Um, you know, he had an app on my phone at one point, which I was completely unaware of that basically mirrored everything I did to him. So like he could see any text that I sent or received any messages like on any kind of app like he would just get notifications these are the apps that she was in and like if he downloaded the app onto his phone I guess he somehow was able to get in I don't know exactly how it worked but it did because he he knew everything that I was doing um and again I was like you know that this just can't be and for some reason, I guess it was just, you know, maybe the movie had just come out or whatever, but I don't know if you're familiar with the film Eat, Pray, Love um, with Julia Roberts. Yeah, it's based on a book written by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, and it's about a woman who is married. She's extremely unhappy. She ends up leaving the marriage and going on a year kind of sabbatical to find herself. Um, and she spends time in Italy and just kind of eating and indulging herself. And then she spends time at an ashram in India, really, you know, dialing into her spirituality and practicing meditation and all that. And then she ends it in Bali, just trying to find that balance. Um, and when I watched that movie, that was the first time in my life where I actually realized and saw a real life example of somebody who got themselves out of a situation and changed their life. And for whatever reason, whatever it was with that movie, it just resonated so deeply with me. And it just sent me on this journey. After watching that movie, I watched, or I read the book about three times. Hmm. Um, and then it 
Elizabeth Gilbert has written other books as well. So I started reading her other books and then it introduced me to other authors. And I started reading all these self-help books and I started diving into podcasts and I'm like, you know what, there's, there's another way, there's another way. And one day we had just gotten me and my ex had just gotten into a really bad fight. And I looked at him and I said, I want a divorce. And he said, okay. And it was as simple as that. Just like that. (laughs) And yep. And then we just kind of, you know, we did the whole divorce thing, went through all that. Um, And I, I did jump into another relationship about six months later, which again, I realized was a whole response thing within me because of trauma that I had not healed and just feeling that I needed to be with somebody. Um, But through that, I got my life coaching certification um, because I realized that there were other women, there were men out there that had dealt with stuff like this and that there was not enough help out there. You know, at the time, I didn't know what narcissism was. I didn't know what love bombing was, what a trauma bond was, you know, all these different terms that, you know, they are now more normalized. We hear them a lot more, um, but there's there's still so much education that needs to be done around them to help people in these situations. So I got my certification, I started coaching, and then I started my podcast about two years ago. And I found my life purpose and my passion. And through it's been about five years since I've been divorced now. And my life is completely changed. And I am a completely different person. You know, I look back at pictures from five, six years ago, and I just see the sadness in my eyes. And it, it's, I, it's kind of indifferent because it's heartbreaking to see myself that way and to know that I let myself go through that for so long. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, like, look how far I've come from this girl. I, I am a totally different woman now. I'm confident. I know my worth. I love the hell out of myself. And these are things that nobody can take away from me. And I know that I don't need outside sources for them anymore. And just being able to know that and have that peace it, it just gives me this fire to want to help other people get to that place too. So that's how I got yeah. to where I am today. And that's <laughs> kind of where I am uh, in the same uh, realizing what I went through and I, I want to help other people too avoid um, the same. So let's, let's talk about why you stayed for 10 years. What, and and then you had mentioned the word trauma, the phrase trauma bonding. Let's talk a little bit about that. Also, and then and then maybe segue into what self love is, because I'm struggling with that myself now. And um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about what kept you okay. in that relationship for so long. Absolutely. So I have kind of boiled it down to three reasons why people stay in these relationships. It could be a combination of the three. It could be one out of the three. Um, Trauma bonding, like you said, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, It could be fears. So maybe you have a fear of abandonment, you know, a fear of being alone, um, those types of fears. Or it could be a lack of self-love and a lack of self-worth. Now, more times than not, these things are all combined, you know, because everything kind of works together. So trauma bonding. What that means is that 
when a victim becomes bonded to their abuser, the abuser being the narcissist, the victim being the other person in the relationship. So when you're in these types of relationships, oftentimes the narcissist is going to breadcrumb you, meaning they're going to love bomb you. They're going to throw you all this love and then they're going to take it away. And there's going to be some kind of blow up, you know, or they're going to be distant. They're not going to talk to you. You know, they're mm -hmm. going to take it away from you. That back and forth of doing that to you, giving you that love and taking it away, giving it to you, taking it away. That is what creates the trauma bond. And oftentimes that's what makes us say, but I love this person so much. I know they can, they love me too, because they're giving you those little sprinkles of love. You know, so you've seen that side of them. So when other people are telling you, hey, you know, like, why are you in this relationship? Why are you staying? Like, don't you see the things he's doing? Yeah, you know, they, they might act that way every now and then. But on you don't see the other things they do. They're so great to me, you know, but are they really? But no, we've been so manipulated that we don't really see the actual actions of what they are doing. Um so that trauma bond just continues. It's just a cycle. And the longer you're there, the stronger it gets. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were times that me and my ex split, but again, I was so bonded to him and I had such a strong fear of abandonment that I couldn't imagine myself being without him. At least that's what I thought. You know, I didn't think I could survive without him. He had manipulated me so much to believe that as well, you know, and make me believe that I was this weak little girl um, and through that, he stripped me of my self-love. He stripped me of my self-worth. I didn't think I deserved any better. I didn't think that there was anybody else out there. I thought this was just how things were supposed to be. So I was just so bonded to him through that experience that it just kept me there way longer than it should have. I call it staying way past the expiration date because, yep. uh, yeah, there's, there's a, in in my case, there was a time when I should have th that relationship. I, everything you just explained, the trauma bonding, the pulling me in with the love, the love bombing, and then withdrawing that. And um, the same thing happened with us. There were many breakups. She would call me and say, I'm done and I don't want to talk to you and then block me. But four days later, you know, I get either I get a text or somehow I get through to her and we'd start Oh, you know, I'm sorry, and all this, and then, and, and it's it's just amazing what everything you're speaking about is resonating with me. Um, to the point, I'm getting chills. Um, uh, all right, so self love. Self love. There's, there's this phrase that I'm struggling with. You, you should not or cannot be in a relationship or love somebody else unless you love yourself first. Do you believe that? Yes and no. So I believe, yes, in order to have a thriving, healthy relationship, you absolutely have to love yourself. Do you have to fully love yourself before you can get into a relationship? No, not necessarily. Okay. You know, that that self-love journey is very personal and it can be a very long journey for some. Um, but that that so in my mind, self-love is really a deep self-acceptance, right? Fully accepting ourselves for everything that we are, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, no matter what 
loving ourselves through it all. Um, and when you are able to have that, especially once you, when you're in a relationship, you know, it makes the relationship a lot easier. You know, you're able to look at things differently. You're able to have different kinds of conversations. You react differently in situations. Um, so I think it definitely helps in having that relationship, but I don't think you have to have it in order to be in a relationship. I think being in a relationship can kind of teach you how to love yourself too. Um, I think it, you know, it, it's a little bit different for everybody. I went through a, my deepest self-love journey throughout the past five years happened last year for me because the healing thing kind of happens in waves. You know, you're kind of dealing with one thing here and then, you know, you get triggered. So maybe you're dealing with something else, you know, six months later. Um, so for me, my deepest self-love journey was last year and I spent the year single. Um, and for me, that's what I needed because I had such this fear of abandonment. I needed to learn how to be alone. I needed to learn to love myself alone. And that was my demon. That was what my thing was. So for me, I needed to learn to love myself before I could be in a relationship. But for you or for somebody else, you know, if you, maybe you do have love for yourself, but you are just really struggling with that deep acceptance, that deep love. You know, that doesn't mean you can't be in a relationship. That just means you're on your journey. That just means you're still healing. And and that's where I'm at. And that's, but that's partly where I'm struggling is, uh, you know, I'm 63 years old and I'm also in recovery. I'm an alcoholic in recovery with eight years sobriety. And I, 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 I've mentioned, thank you. I've mentioned this also that I ran a mood disorder support group for people with mood disorders for 15 years. So I, I have a little bit of experience in life and and the facing the devil and defeating him and, and you know, with the alcoholism. And, and what's what I'm struggling with today is how I did not see this coming, this past relationship, how she came and everything you just explained with the trauma bonding, the love bonding, the gaslighting. She just swooped in and I, I got sucked into her vortex of lies and deception. And she used me and manipulated me and cheated on me. But in the whole, and I saw it the whole time. And, and, and like you stayed because I had the fear of abandonment. Um, I'll never find somebody like her again because she was so beautiful. I mentioned this a couple of times and I know it's a vain thought, but she was runner-up in Miss Universe from the country she came from. Um, so I had thought, you know, I'll never do anything, do better than this. And all of these thoughts. Today, uh, now the coin has flipped. I am so upset with myself that I allowed this to happen. Um, and, and I still have feelings for this woman, knowing I, I've, uh, I've been doing this podcast and diving into all of these terms, gaslighting, deception, self-love, trauma bonding. Last week, we talked about uh, hurt people, hurt people, you know, people who have been hurt in their lives hurt, you know, and I'm, I'm just learning all about this. But the intellectual side of me knows that that relationship was just not good and healthy. But there's a part of me that would even contemplate taking her back if, if that was an option. It's not an option, but yeah. should, should it become an option? Thinking that, the, you know, my son, I interviewed my son, uh, 
month ago and he said we, we are in love with the potential version of that person not necessarily yes. the version yeah and yeah. I, i'm in love with this potential and that's that that's that trauma bond right you you're you're seeing the best version of this person and saying no that's who they are yep. that's who i love and that bond is what's keeping you just from from seeing all the bad stuff and to me it's honestly it's amazing how the brain works and that it does that to us. You know, the brain is a tricky mother, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it, it really, really is. And I think that's really the toughest part about this. Um, there's a book called Unfuck Your Brain. Yes, I've heard of she, it. Yeah, she talks about the science behind trauma and, and your trick and responses and all these kinds of things and it's so interesting and understanding that makes so much more sense because you realize you know there's nothing wrong with me this isn't just my emotions you know playing a trick on me this isn't necessarily my thoughts playing a trick on me my brain was literally rewired during mm -hmm. this yep. experience and when you realize that it's really down to a biological level, you know, for one, the awareness of that was like, oh, shit, like, like, he literally changed who I was as a person, he changed my, my DNA, he changed me. Um, and it made me want to change back so much more. I wanted me to take back the person that I was. Well, um, again, understand. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, because in uh, your bio that you sent me, you um, talked about, along with a host of trauma responses that I need, I had to be, that had to be unlearned. So mm -hmm. you, is that what you're talking about now? Yeah. So <clears throat> once I got out of the relationship and started diving into all this and started doing all this research, I started realizing a lot of the things that I was doing were trauma responses. Yeah. Um, so for example, I felt super responsible for people's emotions around me. Um, and that's a trauma response. Um, you know, because my ex would make me feel, he would tell me that, you know, he was in a bad mood because I got the wrong butter from the store, mm. you know, like make me feel terrible about stupid little things and make me feel like I was the worst person on the planet that I couldn't do it. I couldn't even grocery shop. Right. You know, what was I, what kind of wife was I? Um, wow. And yeah. so whenever somebody's upset around me, I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Like, you know, and I would start spiraling, you know, so responses like that. Um, another one that got me for a long time was that he would use the silent treatment treatment oh, on me. Yeah as kind of a tactic. And when I was in the relationship after I got out of the divorce, I was, we ended up getting engaged. I was with him for about two years. Um, if I didn't hear from him right away, like if I didn't get a text right away from him or something, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? He's mm -hmm. mad at me. Yep. He's not responding, you know, and stuff like that. And I would just automatically go into this anxious state, you know, like your whole body, you can just feel it everywhere your mind's just racing. And oftentimes, you know, this happens when I'm at work or when I'm with my daughter or something and I'm supposed to be present and I can't be present because right. all this trauma 
this rewiring in my brain is telling me to do something different yeah. than what I actually want to be doing. And it's really hard to move past it until you number one are aware of it. Cause if you're not aware, you know, there, there's nothing you can do. Um, and then you got to have the tools. You got to, you know, again, be present in the moment and be willing and able to be like, okay, I'm going to do something different. And that's how you got to rewire it to how it was before. Did you find, uh, again, I'm just fascinated at the similarities. Uh, I'm feeling every time I talk to somebody new and especially like somebody like yourself, like a life coach, and I'm learning that I was, I am not the only one. Did, did you find yourself or did he manipulate you? I'm trying to find the right words. Where you found your, you were isolated from your family and your social mm -hmm. network because I, I absolutely yeah I got to the point where I was not talking to my friends or my family and if I was it was only to complain about her I pick up the phone mm -hmm. and call somebody in my family and just and I have three children I have three adult boys and two grandchildren and I and anybody who's listening to the podcast I think the very first episode I did or one of the first I got called out by a family member just saying, do you realize the only time you call here is to complain about your girlfriend? You never ask about how mm -hmm. we are or how the grandchildren are or, um, mm -hmm. the, and, and, my, and my friends did the same thing in the beginning. They were, they would take my calls and I would complain and bitch and moan about, Oh, this is what she did to me. Or last night, I think she was with another man. And, and they it came to the point where they either stopped taking my calls or, uh, avoided me. And, I isolated everybody. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, um, that definitely happened with some friends that I would just complain. But, you know, for I actually don't think I really complained much because I was kind of ashamed. I didn't want people to know what yeah. was going on at home. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, the latter years of our marriage that I really started doing that. And at that point, you know, I think people were so sick of it yep. also because they had seen it, um, you know, and now they're hearing about it for me and they're like, you, you're just going to sit here and bitch about it. Are you going to leave or not? You know, um, but the big thing that he did was really separate me from my family, because, again, yeah. I met him when I was 20. You know, that, I, I was a baby, you know, and I had never lived on my own when I was in college. Um I'm in Delaware and you know, our state's not that big. So I was going to university of Delaware and it was only a 20 minute drive from where I live. So my dad's like, my dad was, I was fortunate enough that my dad was paying for me to go to college. And he's like, I'm not going to pay for dorms too. You know, you can live at home yeah. and drive and, you know, and I'll pay for you to go to school. So that was the deal. So I had never lived on my own. I had never been in this kind of situation. Um, and I just had no idea what, what I was getting myself into, yeah. you know, and um, I, oh, shoot, I just lost track of what I was about to say. That's good. That's okay. <laughs> um, I, I, let's segue into, um, I, in the midst of this happening to me, and, and like I said before, I have had intellectually knew that this was bad for me, but I stayed and I have recently, and this is going to sound odd, maybe it's just because of my age or I maybe because I was isolated, the term life coach. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how long that 
certification has been around. But I know that within the last five years, because I am in the mental health field, uh, I'm associated with it. Finding therapy is difficult these days, although now it's becoming a little bit more easier with the virtual and, and like ZocDoc and all those online things. Uh, yeah. But I, the people that I was working with, the, my peers that I was helping, they were struggling to find therapists. What is the difference between, let's say, a licensed mental health counselor or, th or therapist and a life coach? And in, in, in our situation, is a life coach would be better to go to in, in this kind of a uh, situation? Honestly, again, this is something that really depends on the person and what works for you. You know, we all we all function differently. We all learn differently. We all receive things differently. Um, so the main difference between a therapist and a life coach, a therapist is somebody who really dives into the past and uses all of that and just um, kind of heals through that. Life coaching, now for me specifically, because I do a lot of trauma healing, we do have to go through the past because that's why you are here. But our focus is the future and what changes you can make going forward to create a different life for yourself. Hmm. Um, in therapy, you know, you're really talking about what um, things that you've been through things that you're going through currently, and they're giving you coping mechanisms to, or coping tools to deal with those things. I do that as well. But again, we're making a plan for the future where I'm staying on you every day and making sure that you have your morning routine down, you know, that you're creating these new habits that you want to create or whatever that, that person's plan is, you know, um, whether it's to heal from this kind of abuse or whether it's to build confidence in themselves and go after a new career. You know, I've worked with people that are doing different things, um, but it's really about creating a different future for yourself. In therapy, it's really diving more into that past kind of what's happened. So let's say that I am where somebody in the audience is in a relationship similar to our experience that they're being gaslit uh, uh, the the partner is maybe narcissistic or narcissistic tendencies or borderline bpd i think my ex was bpd As a matter of fact she was diagnosed with bpd would if they hear this would, would it be it, reach out to a life coach to help build the self-confidence to be able to walk away from this relationship I was in therapy throughout this whole relationship. I saw a therapist twice a week. Uh, I'm sorry, twice a month. And I, I don't remember her once telling me to walk away or, or telling me that I needed to. And she knew what was going on. I, I just wonder sometimes maybe a life coach would have been better or. See, I feel like therapists, they are not going to say this is what you should do. Right. Um, you know, and really I try not to do that too, because I don't want to push my opinion on the people. I kind of want them to try to get there on their own, but at the same time, I'm also a very blunt and forward person. Um, so if you're telling me that this person is abusing you and telling me, you know, that they're calling you all these nasty names all the time and that, you know, they're hitting you or whatever the case may be. I'm going to say this is an abusive relationship and you need to leave because I, I that's just the person I am. Yeah, I don't I again, I've never been in therapy. Um, 
but I don't know that a therapist is even able to say that, that, that kind of thing, you know, cause I know that there's a lot more rules that they have, um, and what they can do and can't do. Um, but I don't, I, they're from my experience, they're not going to sit and tell somebody, Hey, this is you, you need to do this to change your life. I want to clarify something because somebody that I know is going to hear this and she's going to disagree with me. I actually had two therapists. Um, I am in recovery from alcoholism and I live with bipolar disorder. So I see a nurse practitioner and she, I see once a month and I, I'm on, she gives me medical, ma uh, medical maintenance. And she has been telling me from day one, this person is a liar and, uh, and get out. Actually, I brought her to a yeah. couple of sessions. And when we left, she said to me, you, you need to leave this relationship. So I, I want to, cause she listens to this podcast. So I want her to understand that she Never wasn't, the, the, yeah, she wasn't the therapist that did, did not say what's the other therapist. I was seeing a talk therapist virtually okay. This my nurse practitioner. I would go into the office once a month and we would sit for an hour and talk. And she would look at me and say, Andrew, what are you doing? This is not 12-step behavior. This woman yeah. is lying to you, cheating on you, gaslighting you. Get out. And, and I would look at her, but I love her. And she's so beautiful. And yeah, I know. So, mm -hmm. um, anyway, I just wanted to make, put a little note in there that it's I, I had two therapists. And I want to make sure she, because she's going to hear this and come, come after <laughs> <Okay>. me. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, let's see. What what haven't we co covered here? Um, well, you know, I actually I did remember what I was going to say earlier oh, too because we were it. talking about we were talking about like, like being isolated and stuff. So what I was saying was that I was so young and he completely isolated me from my parents. Um, he really, and I, you know, it's it's. This journey has been interesting for me because I blocked out so many memories during that time, which a lot of people who've been through traumatic situations do, you know, when you're in the moment, you kind of go to a different place and it's very hard to pull back those memories. So I've been pulling out memories here and there over the years. Um, but he really did a fantastic job. You got to give him credit for really manipulating and putting me and my parents against each other and really putting um, a wedge between us. Um, those years that I was with him, I have never, I mean, you know, girls and their mom, teenage girls, especially in their moms, you know, you argue. I have a teenager now. It happens. Mm -hmm. But those 10 years were terrible. I mean, I was constantly fighting. I couldn't even really be around my parents. Um, you know, and he was just such a negative person that whenever we'd go over there for holidays or whatever it was, he would always stir up some shit. There'd always be some kind of argument or whatever it was. And my parents hated him. Like they mm. hated him so much. Because they knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew. They saw it and they hated it. And, you know, they didn't want me in that situation. They didn't want their granddaughter in that situation. Because remember, he was not her father. Right. Um, so, you know, they wanted us out. But that was really the main thing that he did in my life was isolated me from my parents, which is, again, I was so young in my twenties. They, that was like my main support system. Now those are the people that I should be able to go to if I need something. And I couldn't, that was this, like just completely cut off from me. This is probably a personal question and, and you don't have to answer it, but your daughter during the relationship, did she call him dad? 
or or is her father in her life so she no her father is not in her life um she he chose to not be a part of our lives and you know what that's totally fine he's not a great person so i'm okay with that um but yes she did because when we met she was four months old she didn't know any better you know anything else so she she grew up with him um called him dad and it wasn't until after we divorced and i was like i like i can't carry this weight like i have to tell her that this is not her biological dad. And I had always planned on telling her, but I wanted to wait till she was a little bit older because when we divorced, she was 10. So, you know, it's hard for a 10 year old to understand that, but you know, he acted like such an ass when we separated, even mm -hmm. though I was willing to let him see her like every other weekend. I was going to ask, know, do they see each other? They don't anymore, but I was, okay. I was willing to do that you know i was like if you want to see her because he was always great with her that's the thing that just irked me so bad oh, i'm wow. like how can you have this great relationship with her and be so sweet and such a great dad to, to a little girl that's not even yours but then treat me this way yeah. it made no sense but anyway so i was going to give him um you know let him see her every other weekend and it went well for the first couple weeks and then one weekend he decided he didn't want her or he had, mm. he had something going on or whatever it was, but he texted her on her phone because he had gotten her a cell phone, which I was opposed, but that's, you know, nothing to do with the story. But anyway, so she has a phone. He texts her and says, he's not picking her up. I get home from work and, um, you know, I'm getting her ready or getting her stuff ready. I'm like, come on, like, we got to go. We got to, you're going to go see daddy. And she's like, oh, he texted me. Um, I'm not going to his house this weekend. I was like, what? He oh. didn't even bother to say anything to me. So I contacted him like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I, I can't do anything this weekend. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Why are you telling her? Why are you? It was his typical response. response. I was wrong. Why are you acting like this? You're such a bitch. Blah, blah, blah. So then he's texting her, telling her that your mom's a terrible person. I'm blocking her. I'm not, you know, all this mm. stuff. So I was like, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. So I cut off his access to her. And Good. I mean, that was pretty much the last time that I had really spoken to him was when we got into that argument. Good. Yeah. That's, but, I, I yeah, think so that's... Probably for the best. At that because... point, I was like, I have to tell her. She, right. I don't want her thinking that her dad, I mean, unfortunately, her dad did abandon her. But I didn't want that her, this this man that she had this bond with, that she had this relationship with, to think that he just up and left out of nowhere. So it was really a lot of explaining. You know, and we've talked about it over the years. as She's gotten a little bit older here and there. Um, you know, and she's an amazing kid. She's so great. And she's so resilient and so independent and so strong and you know she she's yeah she's she doesn't need a figure like that in her life because he's he would only seed his uh like his narcissistic style exactly especially his, his, as she got older yeah because she I, saw it then she saw us argue she saw me in tears unhealthy. all the time you know and she has the kids don't need to see that i i told this story uh in one of my episodes um I have three sons, like I mentioned, and one of them lives in Florida. And I took my ex-girlfriend to Florida on a vacation. And two days into the vacation, she abandoned me in Florida. She uh, made up a fight in her head 
and uh, she was angry. And I went to a, a, um, a meeting in one morning early and I came back to the Airbnb and she was gone. And my and I went to my son's house, which was the next town over. And I told him, you know, he knew we were down there because we had dinner two nights prior. And he said, to, one of the things he said to me is, dad, this is why I don't get close to your girlfriends. They never stick around, you know, and uh, that when 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 your child says that to you, that should have been the moment that I woke up. Five days later, when I got home back to, to where I live, she came down to apologize and made us some story about why she abandoned me in Florida. This was a six, seven day vacation that I paid for. And uh, she left me on the third morning. We were there two nights. Yeah. And made us some story about that. I, that she didn't like the way I drove on the I-95. We went down to the Florida Keys. Oh my and we got back that night and she said, I'm going to bed. Uh, to this day, I think she used me to get to Florida and she went to see somebody else down there because I, I that's another whole story. And, and I, I, it's been told in all of my episodes. Heather, um, we need to wrap it up. I would like to ask you, is there any final thoughts, uh, ideas or any any advice that you want to leave us? Um yeah, I mean, I just want to remind everybody out there that has, that's that's resonating with this conversation, that's been through the things that me and Andrew have been through, that number one, take this as your proof and your sign that you're not alone. Um, you know, there's so many people out there that have been through this. And while it feels lonely and isolating and like you're the only one going through this, you're not. And that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can heal from this. Um, you just really have to, to choose to and to work on it every day. And it's going to be a journey. It's going to be hard, but you can get through it. You can absolutely get through it. And by listening to podcasts like this, which is you know, what that, that's did. a great way to start is by educating yourself. And, and again, just learning that other people out there going through that absolutely helps. That's what I did there. And not only this past relationship, the one before that, I started listening to podcasts because I thought that I was doing something wrong. And mm -hmm. I, I, and the podcast, this podcast is called life and the choices we make. I was choosing poorly. I was choosing the wrong women, but, yeah. or they were choosing me and I was choosing to stay. So, um, okay. So, uh, I'm going to put all of your contact information. So you are on, uh, Instagram and TikTok. You um you have a website. I see that you have a free ebook. Tell us a little bit about yep. the ebook. So my ebook is called Rewrite Your Narrative. And it is about the stories that we have created about who we are. Um, you know, the things that create our limiting beliefs, our fears that we have about who we are capable of being. So it's rewriting your story and giving yourself the opportunity to have the life that you want to live. Um, so I talk about how to work through limiting beliefs and fears, um, how to work through confidence um, and how to really identify the stories in your life that are defining who you are today and how you can redefine those stories. Great. So, it's, so it's great. It's a great read. Um, and yeah, the link will be I, in the, in I the will, I will be reading it and I will put all this information, including your email. So if um, so, you, you 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 primarily help women. So if there's any any women listening in the audience that would love, um, would need <laughs> would love needs to 
uh, boost their self-love or needs help in in finding themselves or getting out of a bad relationship, um, Heather Baker is, is available, right? You are taking on absolutely uh, taking on okay. one-on-one clients and like we mentioned earlier i have only worked with women but i'm open to working with men too you know i mean everybody needs help um so anybody who is 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 resonating with this and wants to connect i'd love to speak with you yeah like we like i mentioned before this is not gender specific uh this happens in every type of relationship so mm -hmm. All right, Heather, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, maybe we'll do another episode in the future. Um, we'll stay in touch. And uh, yeah, it absolutely. has been a delight, delight meeting you and speaking with you. And uh, Likewise, enjoy. thank you so All much right. for having me. Okay, enjoy your weekend. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao.